Welcome back to the Spacemakers podcast. This is Isabel Gates, and I'm so excited for this two-episode drop we're doing today. We are releasing our interview with youth movements Lifeline LA and Wound of My People about speaking up in church, as well as the one that you're listening to right now, just because we feel like these episodes really went hand in hand. And since our hiatus was a little longer than we meant for it to be, we wanted to give y'all lots of content right off the bat. Hopefully you'll have a lot to talk about after these. If you're new to this podcast or you only listened to season one and haven't listened to season two, we're going to ask you to listen to our re-intro episode before you listen to this one. It's just a little bit about who we are and what we're doing. And if you have listened to season one, then it'll kind of give you an idea of the changes and just different things to expect for season two. We would also like to announce that our website is officially up, spacemakerspodcast.com. It has all our recommended books and other resources. It's got links to our Facebook group. It has transcripts to episodes and more. We also have a donate button because as spacemakers do make this podcast on our time and using our money and any help that we could get to kind of keep doing this would be so appreciated. That's spacemakerspodcast.com. Today, we have one of our favorite guests from last season back, Marty Solomon from the Bama podcast. I highly recommend going back to listen to his episode from last season if you haven't already. Seriously, that episode like changed my thinking a lot in like the best way. If you haven't heard of the Bama podcast, I cannot tell you how highly I recommend it, especially for people who have been around or grown up with a very close relationship with a Bible or any type of Christian religion. Marty teaches Bible unlike anyone I know. He goes back to the historical and cultural contexts of the Bible so well to see how it was really supposed to be read, and it feels so revolutionary. Listening to his teachings really helped me heal a lot and make sense of those parts of the Bible that I just did not understand. So even if you just go to listen to like the first couple episodes of his podcast, I think that's so worth your time. He is a favorite resource of mine because I feel like he makes sense of this phrase, God is love, and restored my faith in the Bible's goodness when I really needed it. This episode is probably the episode we've done with the least amount of people in it. This time, it's just me and him. Um, And the reason that we asked him back on the pod is because we really wanted him to speak about empire and power in the church. If you listen to Bema, you'll hear him talk about that a lot. Um, But if you haven't, then he'll explain it. And we just wanted to ask a lot more, I guess, specific questions about empire and power. So this is going to be a good one. I'm so excited. And with no further ado, I'll cut to the interview. Well, it is great to be talking to Marty Solomon again, um, one of my favorite podcast hosts and now a friend and a listener of Spacemakers, which is really cool. 
Hey, I don't have a long list of podcasts in my app. I don't know. I think I might have seven or eight. Really? And you guys are one of them. Yep. I don't oh listen. Gosh. I don't have time to listen to many, but you're one of them. Wow. So yeah, one of my favorites too. I'll re- I'll, re- I'll reciprocate that. Oh my goodness. Thanks. Yeah, that's high praise. Um, out of your seven, you know, <laughs> are right, all seven right. your favorite? <laughs> uh, basically. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. It's, if it's not a favorite, why hey, would they be on my list, right? That sounds great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. I know that you have a busy schedule of um, traveling. You got just back. You just got back from Turkey and all that. So yeah, hopefully I'm seeing I'm seeing through a little bit of a jet lag haze. So hopefully oh. it will all make sense today. I'm sure you will. Or maybe it'll just like make you even more honest than you meant to be. I'm just so tired. Here's to hoping. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, well, I'm so excited for this conversation because it's something that is on my mind a lot and like a topic that kind of opened my mind a lot to like other concepts. Um, kind of the overarching thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is something that you talked about on Bema, um, which is kind of this concept of empire. And I think every Bema listener will like know what you mean when you say empire. And like, I feel like every Bema listener just throws out that word all the time. And like, it's in a different context than is normally used, I guess, outside of people who've listened to Bema. Um, So I guess I was just wondering if you can kind of explain that like what I mean by talking about empire in these conversations just a little bit for people who haven't heard um your podcast which obviously if you haven't heard it go what are you doing right now (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and we use the term in a poetic sense but one of the things I've learned over the years that um has gotten me sometimes into some sticky situations I love to use terms in big broad poetic Mm-hmm. senses of the ability it gives us to form a language and talk about things and to mm-hmm. converse about ideas is so helpful. And yet I've also discovered that sometimes if you don't continue to hold it in big, broad, poetic, abstract ways, if you make it too concrete and then like mechanize it, like make it into a formula, mm-hmm. it starts to get a little wonky. So I, I actually really appreciate this question. But when we are on the podcast, we eventually end up framing the entire conversation pretty early Somewhere towards, I don't know, a third of the way into season one, mm-hmm. we end up kind of framing the entire narrative of the Bible in a tale of two kingdoms we talk about, right? Um, empire and shalom. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind that is that there's a way, like there was this world that God created and it was good. And we, we spend a lot of session one talking about that. Mm-hmm. There's this good creation, this thing that God loves where everything is, is in its proper place and justice reigns because because everything is is in its proper place and that that state of being in the jewish mind is shalom everything everything in its proper place nothing missing nothing lacking wholeness completeness we would say things like perfection but that's really not even a hebraic idea just mm-hmm. the idea of everything like goodness purity rightness and that's shalom that's this idea of shalom right and then and then, but we have this other experience of all this disruption and distortion and the twisted nature of that shalom. And so, we to give a word to that, we talk about uh, this idea of empire. There are two ways to go about engaging the world. Mm-hmm. One of them is built on fear and insecurity. Right. One of them is built on trust, and we w- we would use words like faith, but we talk about trusting the story, um, trusting that. We're loved, trusting that it's enough, trusting that our relationship with God 
isn't distorted at its foundational core. Because when you live out of fear and insecurity, you're now going to act out of self-preservation. The moment I have fear and insecurity, what that means is that I don't think I'm enough, or I Mm -hmm. feel like there's something that I'm missing, something that God's holding out on me. And so what that does is it builds a a posture of self-preservation, which in order for me to preserve self, I have to somehow protect myself against others, Mm -hmm. if not tear down others or... And it's this idea of when that when that worldview starts to organize itself, when this when this posture of fear and insecurity starts to get ahead of steam and starts to systemize itself, that's where that's where the idea of empires come from, as far as how we're using the language. Right. Like this idea of we're gonna centralize power and influence mm-hmm. because that's how we make sure we survive. That's right. how, but that centralization of power, and I'm probably, I'll probably need to stop talking here. I'm going to get into your further questions, I think. <laughs> You're good. But when you centralize that power, the natural byproduct of that is you push, you push other things to the margins, often people. Yeah. Like when you centralize things for efficiency and efficacy and to make sure that you're going to survive, that comes at a cost. And we hold that against shalom which does the exact opposite. Because because it doesn't live in fear, there's no posture of self-preservation. Instead, there's a posture of self-sacrifice. So you believe you have everything you need. You believe you could lose everything and still be okay. Like you believe that being loved, and so what you start doing is you start looking, it's it's just everything is opposite. And in Shalom, you start looking at the margins Mm -hmm. to pull them in, where in empire you're centralizing all the power, all of the, all of all the mission, all the ob- objectivity, you're you're centralizing that and pushing everything to the margin. Shalom opens itself up and pulls in the mm-hmm. margins to make sure that everything, because because we're looking for shalom, we're looking for everything finding its proper place. Yeah. So we can't. This has to be about the God who wastes nothing. Right. And so th- that's the big idea between. That was probably another poetic, wordy explanation <laughs> of. Empire and Shalom. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, It was such a, like, formative kind of, I don't know, concept for me. Like, it helped me a lot because I think, I don't know, like, you read so much in the Bible about these empires in terms of, like, the government or even, like, I mean, there was, like, religious institutions, you know, like, all these things that we saw in the Bible and so much of like the struggle with each with so many characters and so many stories in the Bible was about, you know, empire and the different empires, whether that be Roman or whatever was going on at the time. And it was like this weird thing where it like kind of clicked for me that it's like, oh, there's empires today. It could mean the government still. It could mean a like religious institution. And like that was just really eye opening for me. Um, and like helped, I guess, make sense of a lot of things that were going on that I was seeing around me or, um, in my church or in in my lives or my friends' lives. But I guess I'm wondering how you think we see this kind of empire in modern day Christianity or in just modern day America, I guess. Um, or I guess not America, but yeah, just like modern day, um, and like, why it might be hard for people to kind of see that in either their churches or their governments or whatever, and to see that kind of concept of empire, if that makes sense, and like make that connection. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, and you do, you see this everywhere. You see it 
you see it in the church, but you don't see it all throughout the church. You right. see it in the world, but you don't see it all throughout the world. You yeah. can see it in politics, but you don't always see it. Like mm-hmm. empire sneaks its way into everything. There's no category or label right. that pushes empire out. And so you find it whenever, and again, I, I always come back to this idea of fear and insecurity. Mm-hmm. Wherever you find fear and insecurity, you find the soil in which empire is going to grow because the most natural reaction to that fear and insecurity is to try to be able to control, mm. control what you're, if I can control the situation, I don't have to be afraid. Right. What do we do in, when we're afraid of things? We try to immediately grab it and control it. And the more I can control it, the more I can leverage it. And the more I'm in charge, the more I'm driving, the less fearful I am. Right. So yeah, we do this, we do this all over the place. Um, and And usually the moment, like when we start, when we start grabbing the opportunities and leveraging those things for our own self-preservation, and we'll often do it in the name of a mission or an objective. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I was just listening to the, um, I think it was the latest episode of the Mars Hill mm-hmm. uh, uh, podcast, um, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, the most recent one that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talked about this, the ability of of leadership to sit in that moment of fear and insecurity and draw people towards a common objective, draw people towards and it and in that moment, in and of itself, I'm not even sure how much of it that it's going on is wrong, but all of you're starting to pull all these pieces together in a way that you're gonna start to leverage that mm-hmm. for some purpose that's going to come at a cost yeah. of other people. And so we do, we see this in yeah, we see this in churches. We see this all throughout evangelicalism, not just the churches that you and I are a part of. We see this all throughout Christianity. Christianity is struggling with its own identity crisis and a a model of doing church that we've been using for a couple decades in the church growth era. Um, And now we're worried about our own survival and what the future holds. And again, what's at work there? Fear and insecurity. And so you see whole groups, generations, whole groups of people going through deconstruction and a reaction against that and... Right. And again, instead of leaning into curiosity and empathy and listening and learning and and being curious, we see whole groups of 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 people of movements gathering to squash that or stand against that or fight that because all of the it's the self preservation and yeah. we do we see that yeah and we see it in obviously politics both parties in our American world system mm-hmm. um, we 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 always see this 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 pull to somehow control the situation rather than open ourselves up, let go of control and serve others and see what God's up to in the world. Yeah. What would you say to people? Cause I've had several conversations where I'm kind of, I'm referring to church as like a system and like that. And like basically saying like, Hey, it, it can be empire I'm not saying it is all the time, but like I've had so many conversations where I'm trying to explain that or I'm talking about systemic issues or things like that of that nature. And it's just like, I don't know why it just like doesn't click in people's heads. They just don't even, I don't know. I guess it's hard for them to connect that like something like church could be empire because to them they're like, no, it's a family or we only meet in small groups or like, you know, and we're all friends. So there's no power dynamics. There's no, it's not a structure. It's, it's not a system. And so 
I don't know. I, I find myself having a hard time trying to be like, I don't know. It's so obvious to me, but I don't know how to make it obvious to you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's some, um, yeah. Once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it in a right. sense. Um, of course, at the same time, we always have to make sure we're checking ourselves because what we look for, we'll find. So if we want to see right. systems that we got to be careful of those kind of things for sure. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, and I, one of the things that rings in my head as I hear you talk is I just think about Paul telling us about what it means to walk in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. And he says, the fruits of the flesh are obvious. Mm. He, that's what, that's his words, not mine. He <laughs> says, it's, 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 it's divisiveness, it's malice, it's envy, it's debauchery, it's, it's fits of rage. It's, of course, of course, the fruit of the spirit is also obvious. It's is also obvious. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Systems are a part of our experience. Like systems themselves, they naturally are going to grow almost because they have to. Like necessity demands systems. But those systems mm-hmm. can be causing one thing or they can be causing other. Systems can mm-hmm. can build empires and systems can actually um, – tear empires down and build uh, human flourishing. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a community, like this is all a family, this is all a place of beautiful, it, but you should be able to see that. You should be able to see belonging. Mm-hmm. You should be able to see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. The fruit, the fruit of these things should be obvious. Not that they are concepts, but they're actually real lived experiences. So if we're not experiencing spiritual human flourishing, like in Christ, like mm-hmm. spiritual flourishing in Christ, something there is probably off because true Christian community, true church, tr- it should be, but so often we get all wound up about a mission, whether it's evangelism or um, church growth or whatever our mission ends up being in our corner of Christianity, we're wound up about a mission and an objective and and if that's the – everything else is a means to that end versus right. the other way around because human flourishing should be healthy. That The kingdom of God on earth realized in the midst of relationship. That should be what the church is. But instead, we continue to build institutions, and that's not what, what we see the New Testament inviting us to or, or talking about, not, not as I understand it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, what do you think are – the like obvious negative effects of kind of this intertwining of empire with religion or Christianity or church? Uh, the most obvious ones to me is that the most weak and the most vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, are, are taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, at, at, in their worst cases, they're exploited. Right. In their best cases, if they're being intertwined, they're just ignored. And, yeah. and because, because there's no... There's no imperial incentive. Like if we're talking empire, there's no imperial incentive in taking care of the marginalized, of taking care of the wounded and the broken, whether that's physically, spiritually, emotionally. Like there's no incentive in taking care of those things. So when you start to take church and ecclesiology and intertwine it with empire, well, one of the biggest negative effects is the people that need to experience the kingdom the most, the people that need... Jesus and healing and wholeness and belonging and healthy human relationships and everything that matters, they get the exact opposite of that because only the people that are a part of and contributing to the system Mm -hmm. that you referenced earlier. If you're in an imperial system, only the people that contribute to the system benefit from the system. Right. 
the church should be the opposite of that, where yeah. it benefits everybody who's almost not a part of the system. Right. It's like the anti-empire. It should exist for all those on the fringes, on the margins, who don't belong. So the negative impacts of of getting all intertwined is that the very essence of what we should be experiencing in the body of Christ is actually the, I mean, that is the price that we pay instead. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, I guess, like specific examples? What does that look like? Because I think so many of us, and I mean, myself included, like when I look back, I'm like, oh, I would never, you know, like leave out someone who's marginalized or whatever. But then, you know, once you actually start realizing what that looks like, you're like, oh, <laughs> it's the little things or I don't know. Um, yep. Yeah. If you could give any examples. Yeah, well, it's so much of what I mean. Even you guys here at Spacemakers have have kind of pointed your conversations at in beautiful ways. I mean, it's it's the it's 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 the single adults when they don't fit the you know because everybody knows mm-hmm. you're supposed to get married and you're supposed to do this, <laughs> and when you don't fit the natural, it it's people like that. It's mm-hmm. it's folks that have gone through a divorce mm-hmm. and now have to live with the the spiritual stigma that's projected onto them about. Mm-hmm you know, X, Y, and Z. It It's the, I mean, we've been wrestling with racial justice now for some time. It's, mm-hmm. These voices are all around us. Right. And empire finds a way, again, I'm using this term poetically, but the imperial world finds a way of pushing those voices, quieting them, right. pushing them away, not pulling them in, not yeah. listening. But we, we, have, we have the voice of women that are speaking to us saying, this is our experience. Right. Uh, we have the voice of people in the BIPOC community telling us this is our experience. We have the voices of people who are single that feel like it's so much harder to connect with and engage a church that's built for our churches when they become intertwined with empire. Mm-hmm. They're built to work for the normative experience. And everybody that aligns with the normative experience will will eat its fruit and reap the benefits of that. But you mm-hmm. have any group that doesn't align with the normative experience, whether that's our racial identity or whether that's our, our marital status or whether that's our whatever those things could be, when you don't align with that, you end up not benefiting from that's – that's an indication that we need to go back and ask a whole bunch of questions about who we are and, and what builds the community that we're a part of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, um, I, I have seen this like pattern of like, I don't know for a lot of, um, people that I know who either left their specific church community or, you know, even in different religions, different churches, I'm not even just talking about mine, but a lot of experiences everywhere. Um, a lot of what I hear is like this control of like, you know, you one, you have to do things one very specific way. And two, like you have to like learn and know specific things. Like even information is very much controlled. And I think that's really interesting. Like, you know, I think that that's one of the most dangerous signs of being in any group is when you're not allowed to learn specific information or, or question or, or look outside of the narrative that was presented to you. Um, and, I kind of wanted to bring that to, I'm hopping around in the questions a little bit, but um, so basically we, we did record a, 
episode with like the lifeline LA girls and the wind of my people um, leadership. And so, and we're going to release that, I think kind of at the same time as this. Um, And we talk a lot in that episode about what it's like to kind of speak up in your space and to be met with, you know, criticism or silenced or things like that. And I was wondering if you could kind of like speak to their experiences, because obviously, like, I don't know, like, they're my friends. And so I'm like, I think that they should be listened to and like all these things. But I thought it was so dangerous about the fact that they weren't even really allowed to speak or they were silenced and and whatever in so many different ways. Um, But I was wondering if you could kind of speak to, yeah, what happens if people are trying to speak up about the fact that empire is marginalizing certain people. And do you see this pattern everywhere? Do you, did you see this, you know, in, in your biblical study? Um, yeah. Just your thoughts on that. Right. Yeah. Well, empire is always going to push back if it's really empire. And again, I'm not saying that their churches or their movements, there's all kinds of complexities and nuances here. Right, I'm not right, right. Trying to sit back and throw stones here, but in general, <laughs> just in, just in concept, right. Empire is always going to push back against Shalom, because Shalom is the very, it's the very thing that's going to tear, it's going to cause empire to crumble. Mm-hmm. And so it's always going to push back against that because it's built its entire power structures. It's built its entire institutions. It's built all of its stuff on these principles that Shalom's going to erode. So if you begin to, so it's always, there's always going to be this pushback. Um, I was recently, I just finished up recently uh, Brene Brown's book, uh, mm. Braving the Wilderness. Just a phenomenal resource. And I think it was the last chapter. I think it was a lot, might have might have been the second last chapter, chapter six or seven. Uh, she talks about she actually has Jen Hatmaker share about her experience of sharing her voice and then being immediately ostracized, excluded, mm-hmm. um, attacked, those kind of things. And and there's an element to when you when you share these things, when you give voice, it, that can be an unbelievably lonely place. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, I don't know what the, I don't know what the alternative is because you, you can't remain <laughs> silent. You can't say nothing. Yeah. That just kills your soul. And so we know that we have to give words to that. We hope that we live in communities that are less imperial, more shalom, and they help us. They help us find places of expression. They help us find places where they, we can share our voice. They help us navigate those things. They make sure that those spaces are safe. Uh, and when they do, that's beautiful because then we grow and everybody grows. Mm-hmm. Everybody grows when they when they create those spaces, when we create those spaces together. Um, we learn how to share our voice in more healthy ways because somebody says, yes, like speak more, I'm listening. And just that, that the very empathy that's shown in that helps us become better at even using our voice. Mm-hmm. But when there's this heavy resistance and pushback and those kind of things, and when people aren't allowed to speak, when people aren't allowed to share their voice, when – I mean, that, those are clear indications that you're prob- you probably are working in a system that's more, more – and again, nothing's a monolith. But right. you know, you, you, those are clear indications you're working with something that's probably far more imperial than shalom-based. When, yeah. when, when people aren't allowed to have their own agency or free thought – or autonomy, um, like true kingdom of God, shalom spaces would always be able to create that kind of space right. and, and, and help people steward that space. Well, that should be what spiritual leadership is about. Right. But again, if we're being driven by a mission above 
human flourishing, well, then human flourishing is just getting in the way because we have a mission to accomplish. Yeah. So let's just shut that up. Let's just not deal with that because we have a mission to accomplish. Mm. But if we're really trying to get at a new humanity because that is the mission of the kingdom of God on earth, well, then this is worth taking the time. This is worth stewarding that voice. This is worth figuring out. Um, that's 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 also very difficult. That's hard. So right. I get it. I get yeah. that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was. it's interesting even like, I don't know, with my own experience with like empire and things like that, um, which again, we're not saying that it's all empire all the time. I feel like right. I, you have to keep on like repeating <laughs> yeah. it. Um, yeah. just it's in too case. easy. And I get that. I appreciate that as well. It's because it's too easy to just want to categorize stuff and just right. paint with broad strokes. And it's so much easier to talk about if we can just say, Black, white, in, out, right. this, that. Right. And we just, but but life is complex. Yeah, and so we and, have to keep holding that. Yeah. And I think even like people who talk to me, they're, they're often surprised at how much I am able to hold nuance. I'm like, just because you're sure. in right. whatever group, I literally don't care. Like, it's not, yeah. <laughs> um, we don't have to be drawing these lines. That's the whole point is to like stop drawing the, these lines between people and dividing people and all that. But yes. yeah, I guess with my own experience, obviously, because I, I felt some type of, you know, weirdness with after speaking up about things and doing this podcast and things like that. So I think we talked about this in the last episode of the of season one. But um, my husband and I are like basically attending like this like house church kind of situation. And it's very like it's small. It's like, you know, sometimes we just go serve at a homeless shelter or we, you know, we'll it's super not structured and it's been honestly really refreshing and like a breath of fresh air for me. Cause I've grown up with so much, like, you know, you have to do X amount of things a week and here's the checklist yep. for what your day looks yep. like and you know, everything. Um, and so it w- it's been really refreshing and like healing for us, but I was just wondering, like, do you think that like, you know, is, is there a way to do this whole thing like without being empire like because for me it's it's left a bad taste in my mouth about power structures and you know control and these like top-down pyramid leadership things and like yep. for yep. me I want to just like not at least right like right now it just like is so unappealing to me um yep. even if you're like oh we meet in small groups like I'm like in my mind I'm like I know that it's still yep. a pyramid leadership structure and like it just yep. feels icky to me, um, you know, just to be honest, like we're, with where I'm at right now. But I'm like, is that, does that right. mean that we just never have organization? Like what's the, yeah. <laughs> right? you know? <laughs> yeah. No, and you're right on top of a bunch of really important things because systems and empire aren't synonymous. Like systems right. actually are part of what holds empire accountable. The mm. problem is that we build systems that that cause empire to flourish. We build systems that funnel power to the top and influence. We, we build systems that operate according to our mission and our goals and our objectives. You can also build systems that hold that power accountable in beautiful ways, okay. that, that spread that, that send everything downward rather than upward. Hmm. Um, and yes, there might even be a pyramid, but there's also ways to build structure and systems into that pyramid to make sure the power is always going down in that pyramid. It'll be the systems that actually save the day. It will be policy and procedure. It will be intentional accountability structures. It will be systems that that foster vulnerability and transparency and institutional Mm -hmm. integrity. 
Um, it will be systems that actually also save us from empire. Hmm. So systems and organization in and of itself is never a bad thing. It's how it's 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 who that system and organization is designed to protect. And again, I think Shalom reorders their system baked into the stuff no matter what. Yeah. But Shalom reorders the direction of where it's headed, and Empire does the opposite. Like this thing that you're a part of right now, this house church thing. That's that's all. Um, you know, it's 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 decentralized. It it it's it's so beautiful because you're having. But eventually, eventually, that will start to systematize it. It will right. start to organize itself. Right. That's just a natural. <laughs> and when it does, it's important to be able to look at yourself and go, "Well, that's not the evil." Right. That that organization. That's not that's not a problem. That's a natural part of life and mm-hmm. institutional growth cycles. It's what we're doing with those things and who benefits and why and we can build these these groups and these systems to be upside down and backwards just like Jesus invited us first is last last is first top yeah. is down you know everything's kind of backwards and counterintuitive because that's the way of shalom that's how that's how wholeness flourishes yeah um and and centralizing that power and streamlining it to the top is just too even even when it's done with the purest of intentions, it's too dangerous, right. um, and right. it goes. It, it, I'm not sure if we have any exceptions to it going sideways. <laughs> so that means we're invited to become like Jesus, to die, to lay down our lives, to follow Him to the cross, to go backwards, not forwards. Right. What um, are I guess like the common symptoms that you see in in the stru- like the structures or the systems that are more Empirical versus more shalom. Yeah, um, symptoms would be. Uh, uh, I, I'm thinking of a talk I heard um, from Jeff Vines recently, so I want to give credit to her. I'm not coming up with this stuff out of my own brain, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, one of the first symptoms you see is financial lack of financial accountability, especially in our American reality. That's one of the first places when you start playing fast and loose with. Um, the financial structure with money and where it goes and who it benefits, hmm. um, you're you're just immediately setting the stage for everything else is going to follow suit. Hmm. As one of the first things that Jeff shared in a talk that I heard um, was he talked about financial accountability being the starting place. Hmm. But then it's it's worry and it's fear um, right. again. But but again, even as I say that though, <laughs> complexity because right. worry and fear is also our friend. Like um, it was, it was Elizabeth um, hmm. uh, uh, Gilbert that said um, was a was a great reminder. I used to say years ago, like fear is just horrible. Fear is the worst thing ever. Fear is bad. Fear, and mm-hmm. she said, no, fear is good. Fear has to be in the car. Fear just doesn't get to drive or ride shotgun. But yeah. make no mistake about it, fear needs to be in the back seat. Mm. And I thought, oh man, that's so helpful because. She said, we need to remember what, like, things can go wrong. We need to remember. So it's actually worry and fear that can also help us. But what are we worried and fearful about? Are we worried and fearful for ourselves, for our own institution, for our own success, for our own survival? Because this is all God's gig. Like, our Mm -hmm. survival, it's not our, it's all all up to God. God's going to bear the fruit. It's not our institution. If we've done it correctly, Mm -hmm. it's God's institution. It's not our mission. It was God's mission. It's not our, we don't have to bear the fruit. Jesus bears the fruit. Mm -hmm. So am I worried about my own survival, my own objectives, my own goals, my, or am I worried about 
others? Like, mm -hmm. what's happening to others? Am I worried about the people who are being damaged the most by the world that they live in? Am I, yeah. am I worried about the people, again, those people on the margins, those people that don't, you know, the system isn't built to work for them? Am I worried about that? If that's my worry, right. well, then I'm going to go build systems and policies and procedures that actually make sure the system does work more and more and more for them. That's good worry. Mm -hmm. versus self-preservation worry. Right. So I don't even know how I got there answering your question, but there you go. <laughs> no, Those it was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it made me think of just like something that I've seen a lot as well, which is I think there are certain people that I've noticed are almost having like their identity in their system or their empirical system. And it's like, and it makes it even harder to have these conversations about like, hey, maybe the system needs to change or maybe we need to put in other systems to keep, you know, power accountable and things like that because it and then it makes it just even a difficult conversation because I think some people, you know, they take their leadership position so personally to where you can't even separate the position and the person and and then it makes it really hard to have that conversation because it's like, oh, well, maybe their entire life they've been in this leadership position or their entire life has revolved around this specific structure of how to do Christianity or what have you. And it's like, it makes it hard to even have this conversation about like, hey, like, I'm glad that it's been so great for you, but the people at the bottom of the pyramid or the people trying to speak up about the structure, it's not so great for them. But then you know, but then they're like, oh, that means I'm a horrible person. And I'm like, no, it's not. It does not mean that. And so yeah, I don't know right. what you think about that, but I just, I feel like I've seen that so many times. I don't know if you have, um, I don't know. I just wish I could tell people like, it's not who you are. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. Can we just yeah. have a conversation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's such a good point. Um, such a good, and it kind of goes back to the original question about symptoms because it, it is a symptom. I see two levels to what it is that you're talking about. On one level, um, this is something that that Im imperial systems, empires do sometimes intentionally, and sometimes unintentionally. But it's just kind of like it's just kind of baked into the reality. We we do. It is beneficial to the imperial system if you can get people's identity all wrapped up in the system, yeah. Because then their own identity, their entire image of self worth and security. And if I'm wrapped up in the system, I can't step back and look at it objectively. And so, yes, a part of imperial experiences, uh, part of what we experience when we're all drenched in and and subject to empire is, is this identity uh, kidnapping. Like it kidnaps our identity and who right. we are. And when that's done in the, in the name of the church and Jesus, like we really have to be able to step back and remember that our identity is not found in our church movement or mm -hmm. in the mission or our identity is found in Jesus. I know it's a cliche, but really important when we start to realize that our identity is getting wrapped up in an institution or an organization or a denomination or any of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, the other level of what you talked about was when when I'm towards the top of the pyramid, when I'm a leader. This is why this is why it's so important, so so important for spiritual leaders to be constantly working on their own emotional health. Oh yeah. Um, like I, I go to therapy for about six months every two years, awesome. because I, I have to be healthy, right. emotionally healthy as a leader, because I constantly have to be emptying myself and listening 
uh, to other people. I'm not mm-hmm. the expert. I'm not where the power gathers. And if and if that's the case, that's a dangerous system that I want to get out of because mm-hmm. I need to be somebody that's facilitating all of these things we're talking about. But in order for me to do that, I cannot be like um, paralyzed by insecurity. I have to be emotionally healthy. Yeah. I cannot be paralyzed by fear. Mm-hmm. And that means I need a really good therapist because we're all, every single one of us, there's not a human being listening to our voices that doesn't wrestle with insecurity. It's the root. Yeah. That is the root of the human condition. Mm-hmm. And so when you have somebody that is at the top of a pyramid, a leader, and all the powers funneled towards them, but they also have all of this insecurity, which by the way, helps helps remind us that they're human because mm-hmm. they're just like us. They just have this horrible, dangerous situation of having all this power funneled towards them. But they're just as insecure as the people right. at the bottom of the pyramid. It just hides behind all of this. So it helps us see their humanity. I digress. I mean, that was a really great observation, and, and you got me going. Because yes, we <laughs> we have to be able to recognize that we've got to step back. We've got to be able to hold what we do and what we stand for and the visions that we promote. we mm-hmm. got to be able to hold those things with open hands right. so loosely because the moment I start working out of my insecurity, that's going to come at the cost of other people. Yeah. And that's the responsibility of being at the top of a pyramid. Yeah. The responsibility is to make sure I'm healthy enough to constantly be giving stuff away without it attacking my own self-worth. Right. Yeah, that's huge. Um, I think it's interesting because, I don't know, now you've got me thinking about like even the fact, and I only have kind of experience with how leadership works specifically in the ICOC because that's mainly the, you know, the experience that I've seen and been very close to, um, which is just kind of like, I don't know. I just, I find it fascinating that it's like, it's even this whole thing is tied up into their like livelihood and their, you know, like, it's like, okay, well, if I, you know, if we start talking about changing up leadership or structures or power structures, it's like, it's not only a lot of them just what they're used to, but it's also like, this is how they earn a living. And it's like, it's almost like, I feel like we put them in such a, a difficult position of like, you know, if you are a leader, that's who you are. That's, you know, you're, you're never really clocked out because you're always doing it. Your livelihood is wrapped up in it and becomes like really hard to even have conversations about, um, about power structures and things like that when it's like, it's their whole everything. And it's, it, I don't know, like it, it makes me feel like, oh man, like, can we even have a conversation about this? Because, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've had so many like suggestions about what to do. I'm like, Hey, like, you know, cause I, I have been asked by leadership, like, okay, what is it you want us to do to change things? You know? And the things that I'll say a lot of the times, I mean, I have a lot, but, um, you know, like listen to the people on the bottom of the pyramid, give them the mic, um, have an HR department so that you can like be held accountable and, and it'll help you honestly. And, um, things like that, or like, like you said, therapy, like the amount of times that I've said that. And it's just like, I don't know. I'm all, I, it's just, I don't know if I'm making sense, but it, I just wish that we could, I don't know if that's like a problem that's solvable. It's just this separation between like, is it a job that you're 
you know, building up this empire or is that who you are? How can we separate those things and make it like healthy, I guess, if that makes sense? Well, it's a super, I mean, it's a super, like just a, 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 a beautifully healthy, mature, broad perspective, because that is as big as the problem is. Mm. People at one end of the conversation are not trying, they don't have the same, they're not having the same conversation. They don't have the same objectives as the people on the other side of the conversation. Mm. So we're never truly having, even though we might even be meeting at a table or having a, like, we don't have the same goals. And so you have this huge, huge problem in front of mm. you. Is it solvable? On one hand, it feels like no way. <laughs> on the, and when you realize how big the problem is, how deep it goes, and I, I love when I what what I I heard at least, um, I, I don't want to say what would I say. I I heard hints of. I don't know if that's saying that too softly. <laughs> I heard evidence of empathy as you reflected on that, like you realized that some of these people that have probably frustrated you and hurt you <laughs> immensely are also a part of a system that they're subject to right. not just running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's beautiful. We have a huge problem in front of us. Huge. Right. At the same time, it it this huge problem, which seems like a massive chasm, is also actually a very, very fine line. It's not mm-hmm. that far away. It takes a few vulnerable, willing to ask some important questions, do it in the right way, do it in the right space, Empowered by the Holy Spirit, because we're going to need God's help if it's going to work. <laughs> but it's actually not that. It's not. It's not that miraculous. It's not that far away. It only takes a few things, and and all of a sudden, a whole new momentum gets built. And so, I, I do have a ton of hope because it it only takes a few conversations in the right places at the right times to build a whole new world. Yeah. And um. And it, and everybody won't be a part of that world. I can I can almost promise you that there will be there will be people that that their institutions die. They go to the grave, <laughs> building empire because for a whole list of reasons. Right. But but there but the, yeah, it, there's a huge problem in front of us. Hmm. It can be addressed. It really can be with some of the most simple, the simplest things that we know <laughs> from from Jesus. Right. There are also some of the most difficult things, but this is not some crazy 400-level seminary training. It's just actually about dying to ourselves, loving our enemies, listening right. to one another. It's, man. Do you have yeah. any like practicals or examples that you've seen of people kind of turning that around? And like, what are those little things that you feel like could really help this problem well, obviously I don't want to put you in the position of like solve our problems Marty go like but yeah. what are the things that you've uh seen that have helped a lot well trying to get ahead of it is going to be really helpful when you can rather than reacting after the fact so mm-hmm. responding responding to the aftermath when everything else falls apart mm-hmm. it's still it's still when that's all you have like when that's where you're at and you can't go back and change history then that's all you got, and you can't go back and change history. But when you're not there yet, man, getting ahead of all this stuff and starting to work proactively while it's still while it's still a, a, a beautiful choice, while you can still practice authentic vulnerability hmm. and transparency. Um, yeah, uh, ha- have I seen it? I've seen organizations. Yeah, I have. I have. I've seen organizations. 
I hope my organization that I lead <laughs> is probably in the midst of trying to start conversations that are very difficult. Mm. But we've got to start them. Yeah. Um, so that we don't end up in a worse place. Right. Because the system will take us down or it'll take us up the pyramid unless we're intentionally building things that reverse all that energy and pull us back down the pyramid. And so, yeah, it it can be done. It requires getting ahead of the curve, um, uh, being open and honest publicly about things we've failed at, things we're bad at, things we're (laughs) trying to get better. Um, being open and honest about who we are and what we're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and what, and just listening and, and routinely taking care of those that we've missed taking care of. And the more you take care of those, mm-hmm. the more it, it bears fruit and people can see that this world, we know, we know this stuff is, we inherently know this stuff when we see it. Yeah. yeah. We know the garbage when we see it and we know the goodness. Yeah. And I, I, and we do. We live in a very critical world on all sides of the conversation. We are ready to throw stones and critique right. and cancel, and <laughs> we are also just yearning. I mean, I mean, why is why is Ted Lasso one of the greatest TV shows ever <laughs> right now? Because we're all just dying for a television show about kindness. Right? Are you serious? Of course we are. Of yeah, course we're dying for absolutely. a television show about kindness. <laughs> Um, we have to figure out a way to put 30,000 F-bombs in it, but yeah. <laughs> I digress. It's still a show about kindness. Yeah. And man, I mean, that. so we're ready. We're ready for this stuff. It it yeah. just takes, I mean, I don't want to sound like a commercial here, but it does, it takes trusting the story. Yeah, yeah. And you can trust the story at any point. Like, yeah. It just requires surrender and saying, okay, right. I'm going to fess up to what's going on here. Yeah, and that, that actually gets me curious about how you deal with all this stuff. Because obviously you're put in a position of power and, you know, authority because and you have your own organization where, you know, you have like, yeah, you have power and authority. And obviously that doesn't mean you're a bad person and it doesn't mean that you're automatically doing that in a bad way. But I'm wondering, even just in your personal life or with the people that you lead, like, how do you kind of one, separate like your identity with that and two, like make sure that it doesn't turn into like this empire Marty Solomon show. Yep. (laughs) No, no, it's, I I, we wrestle with this as a team every day, every week. Yeah. Um, and, and so part of it is literally policy and procedure. I have an inch and a half thick binder of policies and procedures that were built by other people, but Mm. that's the first place. If you can, if you can at least, Institute organizational policy and procedures that hold things accountable, keep certain things transparent and vulnerable. Yeah. And then the second level is my team. I have to build a team around me that is like they have to be voices that disagree with me. Mm. That like they cannot just facilitate. I have to purposely <laughs> find those teammates right. and put them in a team around me that's going to tell me they disagree. They that's can't going to tell me the copies. hard truth. Absolutely. They have to. And when they stop doing that, I'm in a dangerous, dangerous place. Yeah. So I love my team because of that. I absolutely mm. love it. Part of it is what can we do proactively? That same team we have to work on. And my struggle right mm. now, Isabel, is I, I struggle with which issue do I work on? Right. So, I mean, when when George Floyd was murdered, we, we dove into racial 
justice training with Lisa Sharon Harper and her boot camp. We mm. we have to invest money and time in having a conversation as an organization from our board of directors mm. all the way down. What are the things we're going to do to start dealing with this when it comes to uh, the issues of women and women empowerment and all the ways that that's appropriate in the church? Mm-hmm. Which one of these issues do I focus on? I feel like I have to focus my energies on. And so it's navigating and stewarding those things. Like we, right now as a leadership team at Impact, we're, we're trying to listen to um, these stories of church abuse and right. scandal. We're going through Scott McKnight's A Church Called Tove. Mm-hmm. Um, we listened to uh, some of the workshops and main sessions at last year's International Conference on Missions that talked about these very things and examined um, Ravi Zacharias and some of the things that we were learning from that. And mm-hmm. these are hard, like these, these are, these have actually been really hard conversations. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we thought they were going to be hard conversations. I think we looked at them and we thought, oh no, yeah, we agree with this. This is going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And you get into this and you're like, oh gosh, this stuff is more deeply ingrained than we think it is. Right. But we have to push forward. Like we have to keep, because that's what pushes all this stuff down towards the bottom rather than continues to funnel it up. And could we go sideways at any moment? Yes. When Marty says we're doing all this stuff, oh, great. So Marty, Marty's figured out the way to <laughs> save himself. Not if I don't continue this tomorrow. Right. Not if we don't keep pushing and building those things. Not if we don't keep working hard to add other voices to our organization, to the conversation. We yeah. have to keep finding voices that we don't have in the room. This is hard. All of this is really hard. Yeah. But it's worth the work. It's worth the work yeah. to find ways where empire has snuck into even our own organizations and rooted out because it is like a cancer hmm. and it will build on itself. Right. And so you just fight it with continued, continue, you continue to fight it all the time. So, yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Um, yeah. We, so we talked a lot about like kind of leadership and, you know, suggestions or, or things that, that you've seen that have helped with that. But what about, do you have any advice for people who are not in leadership, who just find themselves in these communities and are starting to be like, oh no, I think I'm in a very empirical community or whatever, you know, shape that form may take. But um, yeah, I don't know. What, what What's your advice to the people who are finding themselves in that Um what do you think they should do? <laughs> yeah, that's probably, yeah. <laughs> Small questions. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, for a, that first of all, it just matters a ton. I mean, this question matters so much. Right. Because um, we're talking about people's like spiritual and emotional health. Right. And wholeness. And the ways that people have, ex- it's just so heartbreaking. You can plug um, your podcast. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do that if you think it's appropriate. But um, uh, find voices that are like find actual flesh and blood voices that you can trust, mm. and not that you're not that you're supposed to be able to like that you know in your heart of hearts that you know you could they've proven you can trust them. And if there's yeah. if those voices aren't in our community, that's a bad thing. Right. Like you need to live in a community where there are people that you could sit around a backyard campfire and share anything and they would have your back. Mm-hmm. Um, and Definitely. I mean, golly, you got to have those. So talk to them. That's got to be a part of it. Right. And then at some point, if this, I mean, I'm trying to decide how much I want to say here, but you have to know, 
you have to know as a person that you can, like, leaving is an option. That at least has to be an option. Mm. And I find for so many of us, like, we don't think that's an option. And so many of the churches and institutions we're a part of want to remove that as an option. Listen, yeah. if we don't have the agency and autonomy to be a human being, to think for ourselves, to think critically, to protect ourselves, to set up our own boundaries, make our own decisions, walk out our own faith undefined by somebody else, if we can't do that, that's not healthy. Like That's not a good place to live. Yeah. And if what we're doing as institutions can't come it's not compelling enough or attractive enough for people to choose to be a part of it <laughs> then that's on us and we got to figure out like what the heck is so screwed up and broken about what we're doing that we have to force people and manipulate people and control people to stay involved in our in our thing because people have to like leaving's an option and if it's not an option that's abusive like yeah. if that were a marriage we would not like yeah, exactly. <laughs> but even but we even use marriage that way. We even talk about how the institution of marriage can't be there. Like, <laughs> we just love in the church, and this is pure empire, mm-hmm. and it's not just your branch of the church or my corner of the – it's evangelicalism as a whole. Right. We love to remove people's agency and autonomy in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We like to say, in the name of Jesus, you can no longer think for yourself. Yeah. I'll think for you. Thank you very much. Right. And that's, that is screwed up. Yeah. We, have to, we have to enable people – to think for themselves. We have to enable people to be able to get up and choose to follow Jesus, not force them to follow Jesus, not manipulate them to follow Jesus, not coerce them to follow Jesus. That's what Pharaoh does. That's what that's what Egypt does. That's empire. We have to invite people to follow Jesus yeah. and know that Jesus is good enough that they would say yes to that. So I, I just don't I feel like I meet so many people that don't like they just feel stuck. And yeah. There are, there are so many more healthy things done in the name of Jesus that can help you flourish as a follower of him than, than where you're stuck. So, yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to leave your churches or whatever. I don't know. But we do have to remember that that's an option. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If, you don't, if you don't think you could leave your – that's not even an option on the table. You should probably recircle back and, and ask yourself, like, should that be the case? Right. Anyway, right. It's I, not I that we're that saying go leave your church or your community right now. It's like just know that it it's an option. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. The fact you that should we're... know that that's an option and be choosing to stay in your community exactly. of faith. Exactly. And the fact that we're even afraid to say, "Hey guys, it's an option." Like that's because because <laughs> we kind of referred to that in our other episode that we recorded with Womp and Lifeline. Yeah. Um, again, not saying it's always the best thing to do, but saying that it is one of the options. And even that was like, oh man, we're going to get so much. <laughs> like, I know. And I, I'm, I'm even saying that now, realizing like how many people have asked me not to say that. But man, that's so, it's just such a, that's not a healthy relationship. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. That is not, that's not a healthy, that's, that's not, that's not anything that Jesus invited us to. It's not what we see modeled in the New Testament church. Yeah, um, We see it modeled in Egypt. We see it modeled in the American military. We see it modeled in all kinds of other places, but we don't see it modeled in the New Testament community church. Yeah, We saw them creating a place of belonging for, for everybody, for all people, and those people wanting to lay down their life. They would willingly lay down their... They weren't manipulated. They were willfully laying down their life because what they were a part of was so good. 
Right. Um, that they were like, no, I would die for this kind of... Wow. And it wasn't because some church leader was sitting there going, you will die for this. <laughs> no, they were willfully choosing to go die for that. And so if that's not the kind of thing that we're a part of, there's Rabbi Akiva that said, the martyr isn't somebody, the faithful martyr isn't somebody who's willing to go die for their faith. The faithful martyr is the one who's willing to go live for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we just keep trying to use people as commodities and we need to invite people into a space that's far more healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Man, I I could keep on going. I have so like I keep on having like five more questions after you answer them. <laughs> well, you keep giving me more and more trouble, so we we should yeah. probably call it quits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And with that, <laughs> uh, that's what I'm here for, Marty. That's I'm right. Here to- <laughs> that's right. No, I put, these are the hard conversations, and right. some of these things are really hard for us yeah. to hear. Yeah. Um, no matter where we're at in the pyramid. Yeah. But we can fi- we can figure this out. Like I promise, we can figure this out. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, and I, so it's okay. Yeah, and I think the cool thing too is like, I feel like the at the other side of these big problems is so much yes. peace and so much joy. Yes. Like, yes. I feel like every time I've kind of went over a hurdle of like making sure that empire doesn't control me or that I don't identify with empire and things like that. Whenever I've like kind of pushed, been able to push past that in any way in my life, like the other side's always. Right. So much joy, so much peace, yep. so much like yep. feeling like a little kid again in the best way, yes. you know? Yes. Yep. So that's a good thing. It's hard conversations, Absolutely. but it's Absolutely. great in the end. And I think that's that's those are healthy responses. I think some of the reason that we push against that idea is we think, well, the moment somebody decides they're going to leave, they're just going to run away and hate Jesus and hate the right. church. And, and some, I guess, do, but that's right. just as dysfunctional of a response as where we were at to begin with. The healthy response is to be able to like step into a space where I'm pushing, I'm running harder after Jesus with more clarity, more uh, spiritual fulfillment, more mm-hmm. wholeness, more fruits of the spirit, more love, more joy, more peace. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's healthy. That tells right. you you're walking more and more in step of the spirit. Yeah. If Paul was telling us the truth, and I believe yeah. he was, yeah, it's running after those fruits of the spirit and not just focusing on running away from the Correct. non-fruits of the spirit. <laughs> Correct. That should be the healthy. It's not what we're not. It's what we are. Yeah. And um, I want to run towards a thing that helps me become the new human being that Jesus was inviting me to become. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I hope our spiritual communities are that. Yeah. <laughs> In light of everything I just said at the end, I hope our right. spiritual communities, our churches, our institutions fo- f- foster that. And mm-hmm. cause that to flourish. That's my deepest hope. Right. Um, the church is not the evil. It's not the horrible thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But it should be helping us chase after those things. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right. Well, um, is there anything else that you wanted to say or about this topic at all before we sign off? Just- I don't think so. This is a daily. This is a daily battle, though. Yeah. Uh, Empire shows up in all kinds. It'll, it'll grow, even when we. Uh, you know, give our whole lives to root it out, it'll still end up showing up in our own backyard. So <laughs> you just constantly have to watch for it. Yeah. And this is the daily dying to ourselves and following Jesus right. part of our walk. So these are good questions. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been very helpful to me. And I'm, I know once the other space makers hear it, they're going to be excited about this episode <laughs> too. So yeah. Sure. Well, it was wonderful to spend time again. Uh, I look forward to future conversations even more.
so happy that Marty was able to come on the podcast again. I feel like I really don't have much to add to all that, but I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. For more about Marty, go listen to the Bama podcast. For all links, resources, transcripts, and to join our Facebook discussion group, visit spacemakerspodcast.com. Thank you so much for coming to our space. Bye-bye.